for the sixth time. This is 99th episode. to like a milk curtain picture yep <laughs> well good morning welcome back to uh, another podcast thank uh, you we, we have a podcast name now we sure do i'm excited about that yeah. we actually decided on one i was uh it felt like it was touch and go for a minute there yeah so we got a podcast name now we're the 99th episode i like uh, it people that have been listening have been probably listening to the feed with that name for a while but we were backlogged by a few episodes plus you know we re-released our first few episodes on its own feed so anybody catching up and it's like well i've known your name well we didn't until now so we're excited about that it's nice to have something to call ourselves uh we've gotten some good feedback to our podcast so far from the like three people who listen to it so that's always a plus thank you you guys you those three of you appreciate it very very thoughtful people soon there will be half a dozen of you <laughs> out there listening we'll have sixes of fans <laughs> yes oh man a day that we hit 18 and a half that's that's uh that's uh, gonna be a big day for us we'll celebrate conquer the world half dozen people at a time exactly very slowly but uh i mean better than making people click a button right yeah well <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the button's awesome. <laughs> I think the, I think the button's fine. What I think is funny now, and I haven't. I've probably blocked enough people, and that's why I'm not actually seeing it. But I guess people are uh, getting off of bad idea because they're fed up with the button. That's, that's kind of the vibe I'm picking up on. That's. I mean, that seems silly to me. Um, if you don't know, the bad idea is a new comic book company that is formed from the um, ashes of the previous uh, Valiance comics. Um, The former CEO, the former editor-in-chief, the former marketing and sales team um, are all banding together to create a a new, bigger, even more powerful Death Star. And their publishing plan got put on hiatus by this whole COVID-19 thing. So they launched the button as the explanation of why they haven't published, which is a artificial intelligence that demands that everybody click a button on the internet 1 billion times before they can publish any comics, which I, 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 what I love about it is it, (laughs) I look at it basically as a press release and in a world of boring press releases, this is so much more interesting and fun and wacky and outside the box. Like essentially all the things that the button has revealed could have just been boring press releases. And in a normal world, that's what they would have been. But instead it's, there's this artificial intelligence that has taken them over that is slowly leaking out information as push people push this, click this button on the internet. It's, I think it's awesome <laughs> myself. It just it it feels like performance art. Yeah, it, I think I think that hits the nail on the head. And um, I think seeing it as such, whether you like it or dislike it, as one may or may not like a performance art piece they see, um, 
it's an like you said, it's a very interesting way to do it. Is getting the serious fans really engaged? And um, I mean, there were already enough people that were pissed off about their marketing plan, um, where they're only releasing in a certain number of comic shops. Um, they're uh, they're not doing digital. They're not going to do trades. And everybody's getting pissed off. Well, like, why can't I access the way I want to? And I remember when these guys were running Valiant and they did the uh, the Legends of the Geomancer book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a uh, it was a high level variant copy for um, the Book of Death. And people were pissed off because if they didn't get it, then they weren't going to be able to. And you know, I need to be able to read comics my way. Everything needs to be accessible always. That's stupid. Like, first of all, like, stop being that entitled. If you, if if you can't get it the way you want to, don't get it. And I understand how comic fans are, but honestly, the way comic fans are, I have to have everything. That's not a good thing. Like, as a person, not as like for the comic company or, or anybody else, it's not a good thing to be so uh, you know compelled and obsessive about having to have everything that you li- will literally let it ruin something for you if you can't have what you want. That's not so good. So, like, already people that are in that spot, I can't have this. So screw you. It's not a good character trait. Like you got you got something to work on there yourself. So you know people. I mean the thing is, they're starting a new company. They they struggled through starting Valiant, where it's properties that people knew and they had like a you know pretty rabid fan base to start with, just from the people who knew Valiant from back in the day in the nineties. Um, but it's hard work. You know you got to do something to catch people's attentions. They can't do the same thing they did with Valiant. They got to do something different. But then also starting a new company, you if you do it wisely and start small and grow, you can do things better. And my guess is that they learned from what they did at Valiant and saw that, um, I mean, especially like look at the changes and how comics are being distributed. I mean, DC pulled out of Diamond. Yeah. That's kind of a crazy big thing. So you look at how different things are, how screwed up things were over... Um, you know, the first couple few months of the pandemic, they're doing, I mean, obviously their plan was before that, but like, it just makes their plan make even more sense as something that they could be more in control of, you know, quality of distribution. Um, And then ultimately, like if they're not doing all this, that way the people who go out of their way to buy this book are going to have something that's super valuable. Cause you guess what? That Geomancer book is not worth crap basically yeah it, it, it isn't uh they printed a lot of those they knew that there was going to be a problem and that was an interesting time when when that book was coming out and i guess i'm not even sure if i should respond to book of the geomancer or the this whole button thing still because on, on the button <laughs> front i think we know these people at, at Valiant. Like, uh, a lot of us have become friends with them over the years. I know you've talked to a lot of them over the yeah. years with your days with Valiant Central. I've talked to a lot of them in my days with only the Valiant. Like These are our friends. These are our people we uh, have met and gotten to know. They are probably have this so well orchestrated that it's everything is, is highly planned. This this seems like a pretty detailed rollout that they have. It's just taking the form of an improv show. So, yeah. like on the surface, it appears like it's an improv show, but I think behind it, it's it's a very very um, 
well thought out plan of how they're rolling this out. And I think that's the way I look at it is just watching their plan unfold and enjoying that it is taking the form of this freeform improvisational format of, well, we're at the mercy of the button and whatever the button does is what the button does. And it's up to you guys to click it. And so we have no control over when this stuff happens is it's just a fun way to look at this process, which is very, very under control on their exactly. side. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they're still going to release this up. They're releasing in a timely manner. Every time, uh, you know, the people fail to meet the button's demands, he scolds them and then creates a new way for them to release the thing, you know? I mean, like, okay, we'll hit this goal now, you know? I'm disappointed in you, but here we go. Because they so obviously, they want people to see this stuff. It's funny to me. I, I think part of the reason that it's not that engaging to me is I really don't care about seeing previews of art with characters that I'm not familiar with or anything. Like, I mean, I love Louis Rose, LaRosa's art. But I've seen it for years, you know, I mean, like seeing the new thing isn't the same as as the, it in the context of the story for me. Every, that, that's not everybody. A lot of people are going to really enjoy seeing that stuff as soon as possible. The the thing that I'm the most excited about, actually, is a new artist that uh, has announced that they're working with them that kind of feels like them announcing it kind of got lost in the mix of everybody just being little a-holes about the button. Basically, that's Ramon uh, Villalobos. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if do you know his work? Uh, no, I know the name and I know I've, I've seen the work, but I couldn't put my, point my finger at it if I was shown a piece. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know him until, uh, I came across a Vertigo book that got canned, uh, because the writer, uh, was an abuser. That was, uh, oh gosh. That doesn't narrow it down these days. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. I don't even want to say the writer's name. Mortertown was the book for sure, Vertigo. Okay. Um, and I loved, like, his art was what made it. Um, I loved his art. It was a very, like, mythological creatures, um, like, uh, um, you know, Hispanic mythology. Um, I'm looking like, it up now. Oh, yeah. This is I, cool. I loved his art. And when I heard about what happened that ended up getting the book immediately shut down, I just I got rid of all the issues that I had. And I, I was loving that book. So I was like, I've been eager for him to be on something else because I love his art. Um, he was supposed to do another book that ended up not happening. And I don't know exactly the reason why, because I think it was like Wildcats. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Was, oh, okay. That I'm actually very bummed about. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a Wildcats fan, but I was on the fence about checking it out because of his art. And I was like, I don't know. So like, I never stayed so engulfed in it that I really knew what happened with it until I looked back. I was like, oh, yeah, this never happened, did it? Mm, yeah, because uh, a couple years ago, Warren Ellis relaunched um, Wildstorm, the Wildstorm universe, with a book called The Wildstorm. Yeah. It was a 24-issue run, and I really liked it a lot because it was a complete reboot of everything in the Wildstorm universe, a complete reimagining. So you didn't need to know any history because they were he was taking the ideas that existed in the universe from before, but updating them to the present day and totally changing them. And it was this very secretive organizations and and spies and people that have powers for strange reasons and this organization working against this organization, working against this other organization. And it was very like cloak and dagger, spy, espionage, uh, superhero type thriller. And I really, really enjoyed it. I really got into it. 
and while uh wildcats no not wild yeah wildcats was going to be the next title in this relaunch but apparently it got canceled because i i guess i i don't know i don't know if it was a combination of the covid or if it was something else but uh, i'm really bummed about that because it got me really excited about something new in comics when i was reading the wild storm and now it doesn't exist anymore like so many yeah. things that have gotten me excited in comics in the past. Yeah. Well, it definitely doesn't help that Warren Ellis was, you know, brought out as an abuser too. So that's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a weird time of finding all these, uh, a lot of people in comics got blown up at the same time and, um, you know, outed as, as being, uh, abusers and, uh, it happened in wrestling at the same time too. Mo- like especially in British wrestling, there were a lot of people that got, um, you know, got exposed, and it was really weird being a fan of both things. And you know, it's like during during COVID, like you're stuck at home, and all of a sudden, like your Twitter's just blown up with these different types of news. And of course, like because everybody vague tweets, like it takes you forever to figure out what the heck is going on when everybody's just tweeting stuff like "screw that guy." Yeah, it's like okay. Like either quote tweet what you're responding to or say what you're saying because this is just confusing, you know. So it took a little bit to to sort it out. I was like, man, um, I did read the first trade of Wildstorm and I liked it. Um, I was gonna kind of read more one day, but then now like finding out that you know Warren Ellis is a dirty bastard, I just I, I wasn't in it enough to even care about having that debate with myself whether the art is worth supporting the person or not, you know. Yeah, it's always a it's always a tough decision to make, and it depends a lot on on you know where you are. Could I guess depend on what the person did, and I don't know. It's it's always a tough one. Yeah, but, and it's it's hard for me to to know. Like I don't know. I I don't I don't even think I, I want to comment on it. It's people that are doing bad stuff to people derogatory stuff uh harassing stuff or even worse just shouldn't do it and i think i'm just gonna leave it at that yeah that's my my two cents on it when you find stuff like this out is you know i question more what i'm gonna you know while i continue supporting somebody who turns out to be a dirtbag probably not will i disavow anything they've ever did probably not you know it's like it's what they've already done is there, you know. It's like I didn't not read New X Men because a certain person did some of the art on it, you know, for mm-hmm. example. But anyways, let's let's get back from that, yeah. to to the button. And, okay, the uh, button. <laughs> I, I admit I clicked the button a little bit when it first showed up. Yeah, and... I did too, and I honestly don't even care very much. I was like, I just like I see all my, uh, you know, my my big time Valiant fan friends clicking it and getting excited i just thought you know what I'm, I'm i'll click it a few times every time i see them post it one thing i will say to everybody that like retweeted and stuff like that why didn't you put the website in your tweet it'd make it so much easier for people to quickly click the website link and click the button a few times yeah Sh- short-sighted by everybody doing that look at me i'm clicking this button now you know search through twitter to find a link no like just provide the link make it easy on people you all know you want the button to be clicked a billion times so you can get your comics yeah, I know. 
But yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited about Bad Idea. I'm not 100% sure if I'm actually going to be able to get my hands on any of the books or not. Um, I Before COVID, I had messaged um, Andy, who you know from Valiant, who you know owns a comic shop out in Santa Clarita, yeah, which is Brave a comic New shop World. that I went to. Yeah, Brave yeah. New World Comics Santa Clarita. That was a comic shop that I went to, like not regularly, because I wasn't really fully into comics until I moved to Maine. But that's where I went when I lived out there. That was like the comic shop that was around. Um, but I, I've, I did reach out to him back when things were supposed to launch to see about like how we could go about setting something up. But I mean, I haven't heard from him in forever. I'm sure I'll hear from him when uh, you know when stuff is actually getting ready to start rolling. Hopefully, you know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Ramon, I'm excited about just being able to have something of his to to check out because I really liked him. I love Louis LaRosa. I'm literally blanking on every other creator's name that's going to be involved, but it's like all the guys that I really liked. Oh yeah. I think they announced Juan Jose Rip recently. Oh nice. Which I I love his art. He is one of my favorite artists from the Valiant Comics. He's grown on me a lot because my first impulse with him was that I wasn't a big fan of his art, but I, I think that his art has like the stylized nature to it that you also just kind of got to get used to. It's kind of like, honestly, Barry Windsor Smith. Like, he's mm. great, right? Oh, yeah. But my first impression of him wasn't that positive because you know what? His faces are the same. rough looking, <laughs> you know? But there's something about his art. It's stylized. It, and when you don't, like, when your brain doesn't get used to the way he stylizes his art, you know? You you aren't seeing it for the quality. You're seeing it for the flaws, or you know the the things that are like drawbacks to you. When you get used to the stylization, those flaws aren't flaws. They're just part of the style, you know. So, anyways, like Jose Juan Rip, definitely a case with him. Where you know the the more I saw his stuff, the more I liked it. Um, is uh, is Miko doing something with them with this? I'm not sure. I don't think I've seen anything by Miko yet, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like he and Louis Larosa were the two that just I loved mm-hmm. when uh, when Valiant started. Um, and I guess like they both they do insanely rendered covers, which oh, yeah. stands out really quickly, you know. But uh, I, there's a lot of you know I, I need to refresh my Valiant brain some too. Uh, we talked about this. On one of our past episodes about how I've like I haven't been able to touch Valiant in probably over a year now. Just mm, I've lost all interest. Yeah. I I like I haven't been interested in the new books. I honestly I'm not interested in the new books. But even the old stuff, like and I'm not much of a rereader, so it's not my nature to go back and reread something anyways. Uh but I have a ton of stuff digitally, so it's not like it's hard for me to access. But one of these days, I got to go back and try to, I don't know if I'll start like with EXO just, you know, from the beginning and roll with some of that or start with like Archer and Armstrong was the first book that I really loved. Um, That one's still so good. Yeah. Bloodshot. The first run of Bloodshot's one that I want to revisit because that was a lot of fun. I don't know. There's like when I talk about it, I think, you know, I get these sentimental feelings, but I I guess part of it is I'm always worried. Like I've tried to go back and read some of the Batman that I read uh, when I was like, we moved to Maine. I that's when I got kind of set, settled into comics. Uh, I was like, I need something to read that's a little bit easier to stay focused on. And I started reading a ton of Batman because uh, I, I didn't really know what to get. And um, yeah, I read like the long Halloween and yada, yada, all these different you know things as again, like anything in, you know, trade graphic novel that I could. And it mostly it was stuff that was, even though it was released monthly was clearly more made for 
released as a graphic novel. Like, like a contained story. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Long Halloween. It was released as monthly issues, but mm-hmm. it was a more concise thing, right? You know, it has its style, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like back then, that's one of those that everybody read when they were first getting into comics or getting back into comics. I remember there was a few Batman stories, like Long Halloween, yeah. Dark Knight Returns, Year One. Yeah, Year One is great. Dark Knight Returns, like I think Dark Knight Returns and probably Year One, too. Those are both Frank Miller. They... They stand out as something different. Like, those are ones I should probably go back and try to reread. I tried to reread The Long Halloween, and ugh, I just couldn't do it. But reading it the first time, it was, uh, like, you get exposed to a ton of villains, because it's like a different villain every issue, right? Yeah, it is. It's Yeah, it's yeah. like the year of villains. Yeah, I mean, and to me, that's the draw to Batman, is his rogues gallery is great. You know, there are so many great villains in, in Batman's world, and... I think that's why that was good then. But then trying to reread it now, I just I got a few pages. And I was like, no, I just I absolutely don't want to do this. Um, so I, I like I think I have that a little bit of that fear with Valiant that I'll start reading and be like, no, I, I'm not really feeling like this. And you know, I guess I want that glimmer of hope. But really, I just got to give it a shot. Where I get into trouble is I'll pick something up and I'll start reading it and I'll get about an issue and a half in, and then I think oh, there's like 23 and a half more issues in this run. <laughs> this is going to take forever. <laughs> I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, and I start spreading out and reading too many different things. It's like I usually have uh, at least one thing going on Comixology, something going on. Uh, I use the app Comic Cat to read like Humble Bundle comics I've got and stuff like that. So I'll have something going in that realm. I'll have something going on Hoopla. I'll have a trade going. And then, you know, maybe like a pile of floppies I'm trying to read, you know, plus I'm trying to read probably three or four, you know, prose books. Mm-hmm. So I always do that. And then I try to focus on one that like I was I've been reading G.I. Joe, the IDW G.I. Joe. I got a humble bundle of that quite a while ago and I've read through quite a bit of it. But that's kind of been on hold for a long time now. But I'm still kind of I'm still into it. Like, I mean, I just showed you. Um, it was good. Yeah, it's like it's very enjoyable, and I never read GI Joe, so it's not even like it's the reminiscent value for me. It's all new value to me. You know, it's like I, I'm not like, oh man, I love this as a kid. Oh, this character. There's the few characters I know that everybody knows, but that's it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been reading the Cobra series as well? Uh, I I have been reading it as they've released it in the uh, the IDW collections, which I don't okay. know if you have any of those hardcovers, but they're awesome for anybody that wants to really read uh, one of the properties they do it with. So they yeah. got like, I'm a big TMNT guy. So I have all of the TMNT hardcovers of their IDW collections. They do it for um, Transformers, G.I. Joe. It's kind of like in reading order, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like there's at least one other one that I'm forgetting now, but uh, yeah, they it's, it's in reading order. So you get, like, I'll use TMNT as the example because it's the one I'm most familiar with. They always have the ongoing, and they pretty much every month they have uh, a secondary title going. And those change. Like, it hasn't been an ongoing secondary title ad infinitum, you know. So they collect the, the hardcovers in the reading order of the ongoing series and these other books. So you get exposed to all of it. It's really easy to do. And... I think the uh, the cover price for these is like fifty to sixty bucks. So if you you know know anything about buying books, you can buy it for a lot less if you either get it on Amazon or use in stock trades or there's you know other ways to like. You should never pay full price for a book because you can always find a discount. Yeah, I have some of those digitally. I think yeah. that somewhere in uh, Humble Bundle that I got there was a yep, big yeah. G- yeah. We probably yeah, got that- the same bundle. 
Exactly. Yeah, that that's exactly what I got. So, and it has all of those plus it has other trades, which I think it's really just kind of double dipping in the same humble bundle, which is kind of funny, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got a big GI Joe and Transformers one. So it has all of GI Joe. I mean, up to that point, all of GI Joe, all of Transformers, and the GI Joe versus Transformers crossover that they did. So, um, like, my plan is to read GI Joe, uh, and then to read Transformers, and then to read the crossover. And obviously, it's going to take a long time because that's a lot of material. Um, but yeah, those the IDW collections. Like, if you want to get into t- Turtles, GI Joe, Transformers, I feel like there's another one that I'm forgetting. Those are so much the best way to go. Like, don't worry about how long the series has been running. Just go back and get the first one and take your time enjoying it. Like, the rest is going to be there when you get to it. Um, I've been tempted, and I haven't. I've resisted thus far. I've been tempted to start getting the GI Joe ones because I've really enjoyed reading it, but I've already read it too. And am I going to reread it? Yeah, you know, oh, so yeah, that's a good question. The, yeah, I had a lot of it in trade, and then I got that humble bundle, so now I have it digitally also. But I had the Cobra series, there was an initial four or five issue mini series. It was the one where Chuckles infiltrates. I did uh, read that Cobra. Yeah, And then there was an ongoing Cobra series that ran in conjunction with the first volume of G.I. Joe that IDW published. And the very end of that series has, I think, my favorite G.I. Joe moment of all time. Yeah. And if, if you... I don't want to say anything about it because it's a big moment in the series. And if you haven't read it, it's a huge spoiler. But well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in those collections. So if it I'm was sure running it is, along yeah. with the beginning, then I should have read it. So what what is it? It's probably um, in volume three or so. I don't know which one. It's when Chuckles reveals that he's actually still been working for G.I. Joe the entire time. Yeah, I don't remember the moment right off, but I remember that series is def- that's what actually got me to give GI Joe a chance. That was recommended um, to uh, to me and others by Aaron Bell, mm-hmm. and uh, I stumbled across. I got like a I think like the second volume trade paperback for like four bucks or something like that on clearance at Newbury Comics. And read it, and I was like, "This is good." <laughs> and then that humble bundle came across because I always kind of keep my eyes out for a way to like start getting into it. And then that humble bundle came, I was like, "Well, pff, there you go, like twenty five bucks for everything that I could want." Yeah, that's that 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 hooked me. That hooked me right away. Yeah, that was just really really good. See, I'm getting all hyped up on GI Joe again. I got to start reading it. I like it. I like getting hyped up on GI Joe. <laughs> I showed you the other day, so they came out yeah. with the with the toys, right? Which you could probably explain the toys better than I can. But I finally found the Snake Eyes figure. Like, I don't want to get all of them because that's too much of uh, of an investment. But like, I wanted the Snake Eyes figure, and I got it. So I'm all hyped up again. But do you want to say what the toys are? Because you you could probably describe them better than I can. Yeah, sure. So it's the G.I. Joe Classified series. It's the new six-inch line of G.I. Joes that just launched within the last couple months. Because G.I. Joe has always been a three-and-three-quarter-inch to four-inch size figure, at least since the early 80s. Um, Not going back to the early, early days of G.I. Joe when there were 12-inch action figure dolls. But essentially my entire life it's always been a four inch figure for gi joe 
Uh, but nowadays, six inch is kind of the norm for action figures. Marvel Legends are that. Black uh, Star Wars Black Series are six inch. Pretty much anything that Nika does is in the approximate six inch size. Um, he Man, uh, the like Masters of the Universe classics are approximately six inch figures now. So that's just kind of the new standard for. A uh, high-quality action figure, it seems, is, is six inch, and so finally, GI Joe launched in six inch. It started with a first wave of five, and now there's a bunch more figures on the way. And it's it's funny. Something that you said earlier made me think about this, which is this idea of I want it in the format I want it, and I want it now, because one of the things that has been very frustrating for G.I. Joe fans who do want them all, which that includes me. I'm I'm one of those that wants just about every six-inch G.I. Joe figure that they're going to put out. They have been making a lot of exclusives, like store exclusives. There was a Walmart exclusive. There was an Amazon exclusive. There was a Target exclusive most recently. And the Target exclusive was a huge debacle because they put these up for pre-order on the website and sold out within literal seconds. <laughs> I, I missed the sale because I thought it was at 9 a.m. Pacific time, not 9 a.m. Eastern time. So <laughs> I wasn't even there. But people who did want to buy them say they were on the site. They had them loaded up in their cart. And in the time it took them to click the checkout buttons, they were sold out because they sold to scalpers that had written bots to buy them all. And so none of the people who want them were able to get them. And now they're all in the hands of scalpers that have putting them up on eBay for five times the price that they paid. Yeah. I think the stores need to come up with a better system for stuff like this. Um, it, I do think it's one of the things that still it's like when you're you're collecting. I, I think it sucks if they do exclusives and it's a character that's never released otherwise. I don't think it's as big of a deal if they do an exclusive and they either down the road mass release the character like looking a little different or it's just like a character with some exclusive, you know, way that they look. Um, mm-hmm. But when, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, when they came out with the the NES Classic, you know? It was almost impossible to get that because the people getting it were the people that could devote their time to go, you know, sit in front of the store the night that's before, right. yeah. buy them all up, and then resell them, you know? Because basically, that's their job. Like, I had a real job to go to, and I couldn't do something like that, you know? But eventually, Nintendo released more, and you know what? I got it for normal price with patience, you know? It happens. Yeah. Um, well, and that's what I was kind of getting at is this idea of patience because these stores yeah. are going to hit, I'm sorry, these action figures are going to hit stores. Like they're supposed to be released within targets. That's been a bit of a debacle because apparently they said initially they won't be in stores until August 14th, but then some stores were selling them, but some stores had them, but wouldn't sell them even though Hasbro announced, yes, they're for sale now and Target can put them on the shelves now, but I guess nobody told Target that. And so (laughs) some stores won't sell them to you, even though they have them. Some just ignored that, put them out early, and now they're all sold out. And it's uh, kind of a big mess (laughs) in terms of organization. But 
apparently they're going to be in stores and they're going to be restocked throughout like the summer. So if I just go to Target, I should be able to get these eventually without yeah. much of a problem. If I'm just patient, I should be able to end up with them. And I think that um, it's there's this sense of fear. I think that some when something is released and it's then not available at that moment that oh no I've missed out I'm never going to get this thing what do I do and it leads to frustration with the company releasing it because I didn't get this thing that I want now and I'm scared now that I may not get it in the future and so, I, I mean, I felt that a little bit. I felt that little bit of, oh, no, like the pre-order sold out. I'm not going to get this thing. Like, how am I going to get these figures? But then I had to realize, no, these are going to be for sale for a long time. Like, th- this is this was just a, a pre-order for the long ongoing sales period. If I just have some patience, I will probably get these. And it won't be a big deal. I just won't have them the very first day they come out. I may have to wait a month or two, which is fine because I can wait a month or two in my life before having that cool new Beachhead action figure. Even though Beachhead is one of my favorite shows of all time, I can wait a little bit to get get one of them. Yeah. And yeah. so I think a lot of that is is brought on by this fear, this fear of I may not get this thing when I want it, this fear of that I've I've lost my chance. And I think that that uh, is what drives a lot of that because I felt that myself and I had to like actively talk myself down from that and remind myself, no, this, this it is okay. It's all going to work out. Just be patient. It's all yeah. good. And I mean, ultimately, if you don't get the figure, there's going to be something else in the future. You know, if you don't get an action figure, eventually you move on. You're not even going to, you know, I won't say you won't remember it because like I've had this where I had the opportunity to get something. And I was like, nah, nah, I don't need it. And then it was gone and it never came back. And um, I still think about those things from time to time. But Oh, yeah. Like- well, that's that's frustrating. I Yeah. Um, my story of that is like my New Mutants 98, the first appearance of Deadpool. Uh-huh. When I was first buying New Mutants comics, I was buying them all for like 50 cents or a dollar because this was almost 20 years ago. I started putting together my run. But at that time, Deadpool or New Mutants 98 was selling for like $5. I was like, I'm not going to pay $5 for that. I'm going to wait and find it in the dollar box. And then it started selling for $10. I thought, I'm not going to pay that. I'm going to wait until I can find it for $5. (laughs) Because, of course, I'll find it for $5. And then it was selling for $20. And I said, I'll wait and find it for $10. (laughs) And then it was selling for $50. And I said, no, I'll just wait and find it for $20. (laughs) And it kept this kept repeating and repeating and repeating. Eventually, I had to spend a big chunk of change to get my new mutants 98 to finish up my run <laughs> i did that with uh, the first appearance of beta ray bill i like i only wanted it because i really liked the cover so mm, i was like yeah, oh you know it's, it's like 20 bucks i'll just i'll get it sometime when i see it in person instead of like going online and getting it because there's no rush and then the next thing you know they they float out there that he might be in the next movie or some crap like that and now you can't find it for less than 80 bucks and it's like well that covers. I, you know, I'm not collecting Thor, so there's nothing that's compelling me to get it for that reason. 
something like that that cover is cool but it's not worth 80 bucks to me but it's like i missed my chance to get it for a very affordable price mm-hmm. and like i don't forget that um but, and like with toys i i remember finding um one of the like the medium-sized pop vinyls of a big daddy from bioshock and i really liked it but I wasn't collecting pops or anything. Uh, you know, I didn't have any of those. Like, I didn't have many toys or stuff like that. I was like, I don't need this, you know. And now I really wish I got it because I really love that game. And I would love to have that there to look at and enjoy. But it's past. And I'm not going to spend 50 bucks on it now. You know, it's it, there's other, like, being a Ninja Turtle fan, like, going back years ago when we still lived in California and I was younger and I was, like, really out of the geek collecting toys, like, all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, I, I still did the things I enjoyed, like play video games and stuff like that. But I was like at that age where I wasn't like now I'm older and I'm thinking back to the things that I loved and, you know, getting some toys here and there and getting some comics and whatever, because I enjoy that. Like I was definitely much more in the like I'm living life for what's going on right at this moment stage in my life. I came across something like, oh, this is really cool. Like some Bebop and Rocksteady figures. This is really awesome. I should get these. Eh, I don't really need them. I'm going to pass. They They disappear. And even though, like, it doesn't really matter, like, I've gotten other toys since then, I can still think back and remember, like, man, I still wish I got those, you know? Mm-hmm. But, ah, the the pain of being a, a fan of things that are collectible. Yeah, I think where, when it's tough is when you've decided you want to get them all. And I think that's why this G.I. Joe thing was tough for me, is I want to get them all. Yeah. Um, I'm all in on the line, so to speak, right now. So when there's one where it seems like oh i can't get this one that then makes me um it it creates frustration in my life <laughs> but yeah. i you know i talked myself down from it it's all good i'll get them eventually and and it's going to be fine cuz it's these aren't like exclusive they're only making a thousand of them and sending one to each target store and then that's it forever you know it's not like that sort of thing this is a uh, mass release thing. It's just not available now. So hopefully I don't have to eat my words on this, but that's, <laughs> my, that's my approach to it right now. Yeah. Patience pays off and it makes it fun. Um, I found uh, a friend, uh, Kirk Spencer, uh, does the uh, the DC Everything Else podcast. I think I mentioned him before. Um, mm-hmm. He was looking for, so they have the, the WWE crossover with He-Man figures, you know. If anybody hasn't seen those, they're they're pretty cool. And he wanted the Macho Man Randy Savage one and wasn't finding it. So I just like I, I like to keep my I like to go look at the toys. I like to keep my eyes out. I, I like to it's kind of fun for me to have something to look for that isn't something I want because um then I don't buy stuff. Um mm, tricky. So I finally found it. So I texted him and said, is this the one you want? And he said, yeah. I was like, uh, do you want me to get it for you? And he said, yeah. So he PayPal'd me the money. I said, I'll let you know how much shipping costs when I ship it. He PayPal'd me that money when I shipped it. But it was fun, like, to keep my eye out for it for him. And, like, because he had to pay for shipping, he did end up spending, like, an extra, like, 10 bucks on it. But, you know, he got his thing that he really wanted. I had the fun of the hunt, which is, like, really the part I probably enjoy the most. But I also, I you know, you mentioned, like, you want all the G.I. Joe toys. I try to keep myself away from that exactly for that reason, so that way I don't get too caught up in it. Um, so, like, with Ninja Turtle stuff, I'll, if they have a new line, I'll try to pick, like, one that I want the most. And then I get more of a variety of different styles of Ninja Turtle toys. 
Uh, I'm trying to get like, you know, something for each different, um, you know, character that appeals to me. Um, but that, it keeps me from like being too impulsive if I'm like, okay, I'm only going to pick one of these. I shared with you before that, like, Marvel Legends figures, my rule with those is only on clearance. Like, I will never pay full price for them, even if I want them. Like that and, cool Dazzler you got. Yeah, I got Dazzler mm-hmm. for 10 bucks. That's pretty cool. Um, the only one I paid full price for was Wolverine, and that was the first one. And it was kind of like, the, okay, I'm going to pay full price for this one, but this is this is it. And it's because I know that this one's never going to hit clearance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of opened the door. But then my rule, like... I've seen a storm I wanted several times and I continue to not get it because I haven't found it on clearance. So it keeps me, keeps me in control. The the GI Joe toys. I got snake eyes. I'm not saying I'm not tempted by any other ones, but that that's, that's it for now, at least like when they release future waves, like I could see maybe getting like a Cobra commander because he's a really cool, you know, character design. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see, Baroness is a pretty cool design. Like a lot of the other Joes, like I don't have that like strong, strong reaction to them. So it's really the kind of cool character designs are the ones that are more appealing to me in toy form, you know, but helps keep it at bay a little bit. Yeah. For me, GI Joe is really the only toy line that I'm like that for that all in really want them all sort of thing with all the others. I'm pretty similar to you. I only have a, uh, very few Star Wars Black Series figures. Only a couple Marvel Legends. I've got one Masters of the Universe classic. Uh, for for the most part, all the others, I just keep it to, is this a figure that I really think is cool for some reason? And if so, then yeah, I'll, I'll get it. And um, is it easily available is also part of that. So easily available and really cool. When that oversects, then yeah, I'll I'll think about getting it. But with GI Joe, uh, all bets are off. Yeah, I you want know, the whole team. One thing that just clicked with me too. The reason why it's easier for me to be this way is with the Ninja Turtles. There's too many things that get released, like way too many. So I think like accepting giving up on that is why I'm able to do this uh, with everything. Because I just like you, you can't you can't get all the Ninja Turtles stuff. They release too many things and. Like, they'll release, you know, one run of toys, and I'll be like, those are really awesome. But then they'll release something different that's a different style. And I'm like, well, that's awesome, too. So, like, I'd rather get one here, one there. Because it's just, you know, it's certainly not something to complain about being a fan of something and having it be, you know, over-released. Like, you have too many choices. G.I. Joe, like, I've even been keeping an eye out for G.I. Joe toys for, like, since I started reading the comic probably, like, a couple years ago. Because mm-hmm. they haven't released anything until now, so no, it's been uh, the last time they were really releasing stuff was like seven years ago, six or seven years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago. It was pretty much after that second uh, GI Joe movie, that Retaliation movie, came out. They had a, a big push of figures with that, but then it pretty much died down shortly after that, and there hasn't really been much of anything since then. So let me ask you a different question. Uh, yeah. G.I. Joe. Yeah. Are, are any of the movies worth watching? Like, I was going to say, are any of the movies good? But then I realized that it's not really about how good they are. It's about are they enjoyable if you like the characters? Hmm. Oh, yeah. I understand <laughs> your question. And no, none of them are good in a I am a connoisseur of film sort of way. <laughs> in any way. It's, um, but mostly... I think about it like 
the Wolverine rule or the Transformers rule. In that when the Transformers movies came out, I had a pretty low bar for what I needed to see in the movie for me to think it was a quote-unquote good movie, which is that I needed to see airplanes and cars that turn back and forth into robots and fight each other. And if it has that, then cool. I think it's it's a, a cool movie, right? And it had that, right? <laughs> it had plenty of that. So I was like, all right, Transformers, this is cool. I like it. There's cars turning into robots and there's airplanes turning into robots and they are fighting each other. Check, check, check. All right, good movie. And then when that first Wolverine movie came out, that Wolverine Origins movie, <laughs> like it's a pretty notoriously bad movie. I think most people consider it one of the worst of the Marvel movies, but I had a pretty simple requirement. My requirement for am I going to like this movie is, is Wolverine in it and does he flip out and kill people? <laughs> and, and he did. Wolverine was in it and he flipped out and killed people. So check and check. All right, cool movie. I enjoyed watching it. And I think that the G.I. Joe movies operate on a somewhat similar type of scale, which is, does it have a, te- a mixed team of people going up and trying to defeat Cobra? Yeah, it does. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> like I can enjoy it just on that level. It's not a 100% accurate portrayal of the classic G.I. Joe from the 80s onto screen. It's kind of like what Transformers in is, right? If you're trying to, for an accurate representation of the 80s cartoon in the movies, you're not going to get that. And I think that the movies are kind of similar. But they have Snake Eyes. They have Storm Shadow. They have Duke. They have the Baroness. They have Destro. They have Cobra Commander. And they're all fighting each other. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's not, I mean, that sounds like what I would want out of them. When I've asked people before, I've mostly been told, like, no, 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 don't do those. But, I mean, you know, I'm an Ninja Turtle fan, and the the two Michael Bay movies, even though I may think that those are probably the, uh, the, the worst of the Turtle movies, in that I don't think that the person making it really cared about making... The turtles-ness? Yeah, they they weren't trying, and it's not that it was all bad either, because I think there are some things that they did right, but I think they cared less about, you know, I want this to represent, you know, the the what the turtles are, you know, the 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 feel they should be, whatever, you know, um, as much as I want to make a movie that's going to be the biggest blockbuster it could be, which honestly, GI Joe, same thing, Transformers, same thing, right? Like all the those producers were trying to do was make money off those movies. They're not trying to go like. I love Transformers, and I want to bring my heart to the screen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a Turtles fan, you know what? I still enjoyed being able to go and, and see... Uh, I didn't see the first one in theaters. I did see the second one in theaters. I have not watched the second one again since the, I saw it the first time in the theaters. <laughs> I really should watch it again sometime, but... you know, Even though there were flaws with it, like the second one, Casey Jones, was played by Stephen Amell... And uh, I'm not a huge Stephen Amell fan, but I also like don't greatly dislike him by any means. I don't think Casey Jones was done very well, and I, I don't. It, it's not all like Stephen Amell's portrayal. It's also that they wrote him as a totally different type of character, basically than than what he has always been. And it's not that the characters have to be the exact same with everything, but there's like the heart of the character, and then variations, and there's the 
the surface level of the character, and then you completely change their heart, and then it's not this, it, it doesn't work the same way, right? That's kind of how Casey Jones felt to me. Uh-huh. But, but okay. yeah, it's like I still enjoyed the movies. Like my purpose was to enjoy them. Uh, when the first one came out, I actually had Guardians of the Galaxy ruined for me by people because I wanted to go see Ninja Turtles, and literally anybody who had anything to say, all they said was, "No, you don't want to see that. Go see Guardians of the Galaxy." Well, I I didn't ask your opinion. I said I want to see this. I'm a Ninja Turtle fan. I want to see that. No, no, you you want to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. That was the reaction that I got from people huh. unsolicited, not asking anybody's opinion. But I got it a ton, um, and it literally made me hate Guardians of the Galaxy the first time I watched it. Oh, that's too bad because it's such a fun movie. Yeah. I did, so I, I saw the second one in the theater with my cousin, really enjoyed it, went back and watched the first one afterwards, really enjoyed it. So I needed to separate it from from that mentality. But yeah, like people, it's like, I'm not asking you your opinion on what you like or what I like. I'm not tell, asking you to tell me like how I should approach my fandom of stuff. And I wasn't asking anybody's opinion, and I was getting this from everybody. It just It's mm, outrageous weird. how people yeah. will, no, 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 let me tell you how to enjoy the things that you like. I don't know. It's hilarious. But yeah, so I, I'm I'm glad to hear that about the GI Joe movies because I do kind of want to have more interaction with these characters in a different way. Um, but I also don't really want to try to go back and watch the old cartoon because I know that that would be probably very tedious for me not having grown up watching it. And I base that on the fact that watching the '80s and Turtle cartoon, even though I grew up watching it, gets pretty tedious pretty quickly. So yeah, I will say the second one I don't think was as enjoyable of a movie as the first one but it does have the best ninjas going crazy and it's fighting each other on the side of a mountain scene that i have ever seen nice and in some ways i think that action set piece with the ninja fight on the side of the mountain is worth the price of admission alone yeah and i would imagine i can get those movies very cheap now i imagine so i haven't seen them since they came out i am I have I saw the first one quite a bit actually. I think I had a digital copy of it way back when, and I I watched it quite a number of times. I would just kind of put it on as something just to watch, and I liked it. You know, I I just enjoyed it for what it was, and it's just kind of like an okay action movie. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Then that'll be my homework. I'll check that out at some point when I get my hands on it. And then we'll talk about it. And your your homework is to eventually watch Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, I know. <laughs> part, part of the problem with that is I don't think my wife is interested in watching it. And so finding a time where I can dedicate two hours to watching something that she is not interested in watching is kind of tough. That is 100% of everything I ever want to do. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's easier for me to find time to play video games for a while. Because if I'm playing video games, she won't want to watch the screen also. She'll want to read a book or do something else. It's But it's when I'm watching a movie or TV, it's typically it's something that we'll want to do together. Yeah. And so that's it's hard to find stuff that we are both interested in because... If she just turns on the TV, she's going to put on either Friends or Sex in the City or Golden Girls. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not as interested in that. If I'm going to put on TV, I'm going to put on something like either Gundam, which she, she doesn't want to watch at all, or something uh, else just weird. 
Though we did just watch Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Have you watched that or read that at all? I've read uh, the first trade of it, which was very good. I haven't watched it. We haven't had Netflix in quite a while. We like we we talked about this before. We we switch up yeah. our streaming services, so we've had Prime and Hulu for quite a while. And I think Prime's not going anywhere anymore. We've pretty much been watching um, Hulu. My wife is currently binging on Family Guy, which I'm very surprised to find that she is enjoying binging on it much more than I am. And I'm like coming and going while she's hmm. watching it. Okay. Yeah, this is one I was I, I was excited because my wife was interested in it. We watched season one together and season two just came out uh, a week or two ago on Netflix. So we've been binging that and we got through we would watch like two episodes a night and got through it in you know a week or something like that. And it's really kind of crazy. We're watching the show and after the first episode, we're, we were both kind of had the response of WTF like what is going on this is so crazy and doesn't make sense and I love that feeling I love the feeling of none of this makes sense but I feel like it's going to make sense eventually and that's something I just I really enjoy when shows make me feel that way and I think she just then wants to know, I like, I need to know how this will make sense. So I need to keep watching. So it became very compelling and there's just good characters. So it's like weird, crazy, superhuman science fiction plots of insane things, time travel and changing the world and future selves, past selves. And can you alter history and weird secret organizations and kids with superpowers and what happened in the past and who was up to what it mixed with just a bunch of really good likable characters is a recipe for a really fun show and that's what it's been for us so i i really enjoyed it i've never read the comics but it made me interested in going back to check them out yeah they're they're definitely worth it. i've only read the first trade uh b- before the show came out they had basically like two trades out um, since the shows come out, I believe they have, uh, either started releasing a new monthly or they released a new, a new, like just, you know, graphic novel, something like that. I know they've released something new since the show came out. Um, but yeah, like that's, there's a lot of things on Netflix that are on my radar. So like whenever we do dip back into that, I'll have a lot of new stuff to watch. Um, but yeah, that one definitely, I've, I've heard so many good things about it from people since it's come out. So that's a pretty safe bet. <sighs> um, okay. So, uh, I, ha- I have a little book to talk about, if you'd like to oh, hear about it. Tell I mean, me, yes. What, which book is this? So, I, I'm, I'm going to start a little bit with, um, I mentioned this to you, and you said we should talk about it. Uh, so, I'll talk about it. And this, this goes back, we're talking about Bad Idea, we're talking about Valiant. Um, I kind of, it dawned on me the other day that I, I realized that reading manga, for me, is, it feels like when I started reading Valiant, because it was something that felt super new, not like nothing else. And I was so compelled to read. Uh, you know, I started reading Valiant. I started slowly, but it just it was like so fresh and different. And the quality was so good. And it's, I mean, it's comparing that to manga, which is a you know not even a genre. It's just like a, a a segment of comics in general. So I mean, it's it's pretty wide. But there there's still like there's a difference to how stories are told. Uh, you know, in Japanese comics than they are in American comics, and that's that's what's been so like new and fresh. I've been really compelled to read more and more. I've shared with you, uh, you know, pretty much all the books I've read so far. 
So the one I'm going to talk about today is uh, is called Drifting Dragons. This is one of the ones that really caught my attention when people started recommending stuff. And then somebody showed uh, the cover to one of the books. And I was like, yep, that looks like a safe bet because even if it's just okay, it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be enjoyable. Um, so this is a book about uh, a draking ships. These are people that go and hunt and kill dragons and, you know, and then sell them for meat and oil and, you know, all the different stuff you can get from it. It's a flying ship. Uh, one thing I think is interesting, too, is the, the depiction of dragons is very different than what we would default to. Um, you know, like, if you think of a dragon, you're probably thinking, like, you know... Um, Smaug from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. That. Um, Game of Thrones dragons. Like, you know, very, like, lizardy, scaly. Like, they don't stray super far from, like, a certain basic form, right? Like well, the medieval dragon, I guess yeah, you could call it. There yeah. you go, exactly. So these dragons are definitely very different. Um, and like each uh, issue shows like typically like one dragon. Um, and like each issue basically has mostly been about them like them hunting a dragon. And it's so it's using this basic story form of they're hunting a dragon. Um, to then like build into more things about character. And one thing they do in every issue also is they cook something with dragon meat. And then at the end of it, they give you the recipe. Whoa. So they're, really? they're doing these different things with the form of how the story is told that um, if you just like narrow it down to, yeah, this comic, they hunt dragons, but then they... Like, literally, like, when they get to the part about cooking it, it's not just, like, uh, you see them make food and eat it. In the midst of the story, they take the time to, hey, look at this thing that I'm doing. Let me show you this. And they, like, they make the recipe in the middle of the story, sort of. But it's not like, okay, here's their hunting the dragon. Okay, now scene two is they're cooking. It's it's in the midst of the story in some way, shape, or form. So it's, re- it's really interestingly done. It's one of the, you know, it's like, that beat that you get every step of the way in the story. And I, I, just, I don't like, I just, I love what I've been reading, how they unveil people's characters, um, how they play with, uh, with like archetypes. I just like, I think it's so interesting. So in this one, like there's the one character who is just like obsessed with hunting dragons. He's the character that's easy to like right off. Cause he's the one that will just jump on a dragon's back and kill it. And that's mm-hmm. insane. Like, you know, everybody's like, that guy is insane. But he had completely fearless, um, you know, the high skill level. So it's like the character that's really easy to like, you know, Wolverine. Like, he's fun to watch because he, he's the best at what he does. But then also, and what he does isn't very nice, right? Like, he's fearless. He knows what he's doing very well. And he's just like, he's obsessed with dragons. And he wants to eat them all. Like, he wants to, to taste all the different types of dragons and okay, t- taste them, bizarre. you know. So, like, uh, he's a connoisseur, you know. Uh, there's another character who's the Greenhorn. She's a, a young girl who's just learning it all. There's a bunch of different characters. Uh, one of the characters, his dad was uh, was a, a, a draker, and he became a draker not idolizing his dad, but actually, like, his dad was always gone. Like, it was his excuse. He'd pop up at home, and then he'd disappear again and leave his him and his mom to fend on their own. But that led to him, be, you know, becoming a, a draker as well. And um, 
with this one story they they're going through a storm and he wants to see this um this dragon of legend uh that led um you know in the legend like led a ship that got caught in a storm out of the storm and the other guy that that i first mentioned that wants to hunt and kill and eat every dragon wants to catch this dragon (laughs) you know so they both are equally fervent about finding this dragon they're putting themselves at more risk than necessary in helping lead the ship through the storm and it's because they both for different reasons want to find this dragon so we get to the end of the story and the one guy says that's great we saw it like we know the legend is true but we also didn't catch him so he's going to remain legend and the other guy is like man i can't believe we let that get away but i've really been enjoying it this is the first volume um it's uh that truck pass um, it's created by Taku Kuwabara. Um, it's released on uh, Kodanasha or Kodansha. Learn how to say these words right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is and it's a, a Netflix anime. Also, I haven't watched that all yet because once again, I don't have Netflix right now. But oh, really? Yeah, the okay. like these uh, these trades that they, that have been released are like advertising that fact. So I've, I have the first three volumes, and I think there's like seven volumes out, or there's like, I think six available, the seventh one is like available for pre-order type of deal. But yeah, like, I, I really enjoyed this, and just as like, re- you know, reiterating the same thing, like I read this, I read Wandering Island, I read, um... Uh, King Goes Used Books, yeah, I remember. King Goes Used Books, like all of those, they're, they're very much the type of story that I want, that they're... They're not like there's a wide variety in, in manga, and one you read that you talked about last time that I actually started reading is Berserk, is a different mm-hmm. type, very violent. You know, these books have not been very violent, but the like the types of stories they tell are kind of fantastical, and the you know the way they've built the characters and like it just like it's very very refreshing to me and yeah it dawned on me the other day it was it was the same thing as like when i started reading valiant it's so hard to find something that's new and different and gives you a body of something to read you know it's rare even when we find like um a new comic series and usually it'll be like a limited series uh that you know okay this is a story that's planned for you know four five or six issues that's really refreshing like that. And you have to like try a lot of different things to, f- to stumble upon those things. So it's amazing to just like fall into a pool of something like that and be swimming, yeah, it, you know, it reminds me of when I find a good book series. Yeah. Because most of my book, book reading, like actual non books without pictures in it, reading is science fiction or fantasy. And, a lot of times fantasy books in particular are big long series so a, a trilogy would is oftentimes a, a small series in the fantasy world because some can get up to 15 books long in the wheel of time or 20 books long or who knows how many books long in different series but when i find something new that i haven't read yet that i really like and there's a number of books that's really exciting is I remember late last year I found the Lightbringer series, which is a is a series of five fantasy books, and I really enjoyed them, and I just blew through them so quickly because they were so enjoyable and different and interesting. I really liked all the characters and just a, a really great story with a lot of interesting twists and turns different from what I would expect in a typical fantasy book. It was really, really great to find something like that. So I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's like this feeling of I like being here 
rather than I just want to, you know, like I want to uh, consume this, you know? It's like the same thing with video games. When you find a video game that you like playing and you don't actually even care if you progress, you still like playing it. That's the mm-hmm. game that's for you because then when you're progressing, it's just all the better. Um, yeah, so like I, I, you know, Drifting Dragons, I, I very much enjoyed it. It's not super hard to find. It's only $13 cover price for a volume. I got the first two volumes for 8 bucks a piece on, uh, on like, clearance. Yeah, like, I... I the more I read manga and kind of figure out what I like, um, like, I gotta start figuring out how to actually, like, find out new stuff that's coming out now so I can continue to, like, know what's on the market and, like, kind of have my next steps planned. But, yeah, it's been super enjoyable. Yeah, I think that that seems like it could be tricky to figure out because it, my view of manga is still that so much of it is just not going to be things I'm interested in because so much of it does seem like it is geared towards a younger reader and it's something like Naruto or One Piece, which doesn't appeal to me when I look at it at all. It looks like it's it's made to appear uh, appeal to a younger audience. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with navigating it. Is that that's like somebody out, you know, that isn't used to reading comics, being like, "Well, I'm not interested in comics because I'm really not interested in reading like Spider-Man." Well, that that's yeah. that's like mm-hmm. one little drop in the bucket with comics. But like you and I know, there's a lot of different things that can appeal to to people, um, and it's about figuring out how to know what's appealing to you and how to recognize it. And honestly, like I've stumbled upon this because some people were able to help me recognize some things that really did appeal to me when I didn't have a clue where to go. The comics, the, the manga that you just mentioned, uh, those are ones that I'm pretty sure won't appeal to me. But like, also as I build my familiarity with reading manga, I'll give those a try at some point just to try them. You know, I probably won't keep reading them. Like I, I'm not planning on reading like, you know, 30 volumes of one piece or something like that. But, like, once you're more familiar, you can dabble in something that's outside of your, like, this is what really retains my attention. But then, I think I'd mentioned, uh, I had gotten, a, when I got the first two volumes of Drifting Dragons, I also got two paperback omnibuses of one called uh, Divergelder that I started reading and very quickly was like, nope, 100% not for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Drastically crossed lines I was not willing to cross, um, but I was able to send them on to somebody else for, um, like, I got a good deal and, um, like, I was able to pass that on. But uh, figuring out how to recognize the right thing so you don't get the wrong thing that will turn you off. Like, I had actually seen Divergelder before, and it was a good price, and I was tempted to grab it. But honestly, if I did that, I might have backed completely off of manga. Because it, I definitely would have, wouldn't have wanted to read that. And then I would have felt kind of burnt on spending my money on something that I really didn't enjoy. So it's um, it, it's good to be able to talk to you. And I think I've said this before, too. But that's why it's so much better to talk to people than it is to Google stuff. You know, you, mm-hmm. like seeing how somebody reacts to something is is often more telling than just the the matter of facts of what they tell you, you know? So I, I hate it when people do the, like, well, just Google it answer. It's like, well, that's, I, I want to see your reaction, not, you know, Google it and just find out facts. But what do you say we, uh, we, we call this a day? I think so. I think that we have meandered all over the place with this episode in a good way. So, yeah, I think we've hit our stride. We don't need a plan to talk about stuff and we can talk ad infinitum. <laughs> yes, yes, which is a good place to be when you're a podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I like it. 
Awesome. Uh, would you like to talk us out or shall I? Go for it. All right. So uh, we have to get used to how to do an outro here. and We haven't figured that out yet. But you can find me on Twitter at Who's Paul. Sean is on Twitter at Bad Deacon. Uh, once again, our podcast now has a name, which if you're listening to this, you figured out. Um, but yeah, 99th episode. And we'll get better at uh, talking ourselves in and out in the future. But uh, it, it's been fun. And uh, I thank you, the people that have given us some feedback. It's uh, very helpful when you're trying something new to hear that anybody is enjoying it. So until next time, that's all I have to say. Sounds good. Sounds good.